What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. In 2022, there were only 15 days when police did not shoot and kill someone in the United States, according to a Washington Post database. Also, according to the Washington Post, this year, law enforcement has murdered 954 people. That is an increase of 246 folks since the last time I did a roundup. America has a policing problem, y'all. And we don't even know most of the names of those killed. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieved in silence and solitude. It is crucial that we understand police murders are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgressions against our people. Law enforcement serves as a militarized occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and wrongfully incarcerate our folks. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law and Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of November 27, 2023. On August 24, 2019, a young black 19-year-old animal lover and massage therapist who went by the name of Elijah McLean was walking home from buying iced tea and listening to music on headphones. A passing-by driver decided that walking while black looked suspicious and called police. He did not state that McLean had any weapons, and yet law enforcement responded with immediate and intense force. McLean was wearing a ski mask as he was anemic. The first officer to engage McLean was Aurora, Colorado police officer Nathan Woodyard, who told McLean he had the right to stop stop him because he was being quote-unquote suspicious. McLean explained to the officers he was an introvert and was just going home. Two more officers joined Woodyard in throwing McLean to the ground. Woodyard put him in a headlock until he was unconscious. McLean, who was of small stature and had the entire weight of three police officers on top of him, said he couldn't breathe seven times. His last words were, quote, I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat. I respect all life. Forgive me. All I was trying to do was become better, end quote. Paramedics who showed up to the scene injected McLean with 500 milligrams of the animal tranquilizer ketamine. McLean had a heart attack and never woke up. The cops who helped facilitate the murder of Elijah McLean were charged with manslaughter and negligent homicide. Now, one of those cops, Nathan Woodyard, has been found not guilty and his reward for murdering an innocent black child is $200,000 in back pay from the city and his job back, which apparently is a city mandate since the criminal legal system has set him free. As for the other cops, one was found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and third-degree assault. Another was found not guilty but then fired in 2020 when a release of text messages revealed that three officers sent him a joking selfie recreating the chocolate of McLean, and he replied, ha ha. I don't imagine many black folks in Colorado are laughing today. I'm not either. Source, our friend Sam Levin at The Guardian. And in more Colorado law enforcement news, Denver police shot a man they say was armed, who they also allege refused to comply with commands after officers contacted him while he was taking trash from his truck to a dumpster in a parking lot. I guess I should look it up, but is taking trash to a dumpster reason to be stopped or approached by police? Is it illegal in Colorado? They want dirty streets or what? I'm legit confused, family. Officers were returning to service from an unrelated call when they heard music blaring from a truck in a parking lot and saw a man walking back and forth between the truck and a dumpster to throw things away. Ah, now I get it. It was the loud music that was illegal. Okay, Denver. Police initially reported the shooting occurred during a traffic stop. 
Huh, that's an interesting misrepresentation of facts. If that's a lie, perhaps all of what they are alleging is a lie. Just putting it out there. Officers say they saw the man had a handgun tucked in his waistband at his back and began ordering him to put his hands on his head. Here we go. They feared for their lives. Trash and loud music. Ooh. They say the man refused to comply with police commands and at one point made a threatening motion towards the alleged gun at his back. Maybe he refused to comply with their demands because he knew he wasn't doing anything wrong and thought that approaching him was as ridiculous as I do. But I digress. What we know for a fact did happen is two officers fired their weapons and the man was hit in the upper body. The cops say they rendered medical aid. He was transported to a hospital. The Denver chief of police says, wait for it. I believe the officers felt a threat and they responded to that threat. Uh-huh. How did I know that was coming? The man is in cru critical condition and is in surgery and luckily expected to survive. I hope he sues their pants off. Source, Katie Langford, The Denver Post. And in even more Colorado news, the police are a thing in Colorado, y'all. This time, the incident took place in Moffat County, but the T is that the 14th Judicial District Attorney's Office will not file charges against a Craig police officer or Moffat County Sheriff's deputy who were involved in the March 31st shooting death of Christopher Rutherman. Rutherman, 52, of Craig, died after he was shot by police following a foot chase around the city. The interaction began with an officer trying to stop Rutherman inside of a restaurant. Rutherman runs away from the officer before they say he pulls out a handgun. You've seen a theme here. He was running away. And if, 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 if they're telling the truth and he's in such a mental state that he does pull out a gun in the vicinity of cops, clearly there's something else happening. So why not time, distance, clear the area and get some mental health professionals? I'm just saying. Anywho, the cops fired and Rutherman is dead. I think I'm going to be avoiding the Colorado area for a while. Source, Craig Press. When cops kill, it is the community that pays both literally and figuratively, and boy, are the citizens of New York paying this year. In the first half of 2023, New York City paid more than $50 million in lawsuits alleging misconduct by members of the NYPD. That figure is on track to exceed $100 million by the end of the year, but even that total doesn't capture how much the city has to spend in cases where its cops are accused of everything from causing car accidents to beating innocent people. The $100 million figure does not include lawsuits settled by the city prior to litigation, which reached $30 million in the first nine months of this year. Pre-litigation settlements from July 22 through September of this year totaled $50 million, meaning the city's payouts in such suits since July 2022, including those after litigation, rose to a whopping total of $280 million. Earlier this year, The Intercept reported that a new NYPD website dedicated to quote-unquote <laughs> transparency around police misconduct and payouts leaves out cops accused of wrongdoing and only covers a fraction of the millions the city pays out in such cases. The website includes those cases where there are findings of guilt, even as the police pay out millions of dollars precisely to avoid convictions and other findings of wrongdoings. Some of the police officers left of the transparency database have been named in multiple misconduct lawsuits. In some of the cases, rather than receiving public scrutiny through the database, they received promotions. Source, almost verbatim, Akila Lacey at The Intercept. 
Nearly four years after 43-year-old William Green was fatally shot while handcuffed behind his back, the second-degree murder trial for the Prince George's County police officer charged with pulling the trigger began on Monday. The cop, Corporal Michael Owen Jr., has been jailed since the murder in January when police say he shot Green six times as the man sat in the front seat with his hands cuffed in the police cruiser. Owen's own department arrested him less than 24 hours later, the first time a county officer had been charged with murder in connection with actions while taken on duty. The Green case ignited calls for police reform in the majority black Washington area suburb of Maryland, where the police department has long had a fraught history of excessive force and misconduct. Since Green was killed on January 27, 2020, his family has won a $20 million lawsuit from county officials and successfully upended a potential plea deal for Owen earlier this year. Green was a father of two and a megabus, megabus luggage loader whom family called Boo Boo. Owen was not wearing police-issued body camera at the time of the shooting. The officer told authorities that Green reached for his firearm and that he filled, feared for his life. Reached? for his firearm while his hands were cuffed? Huh. Okay. Ahead of the shooting, the department missed opportunities to steer a struggling and errant officer back on course. Uh, in two other 2019 incidents, a video showed Owen with his hands on the necks of people he arrested. One of those incidents came less than a month before Green's death. Other Prince George's residents who encountered Owen over the years had also accused him of brutality and a lack of professionalism. Several who were arrested by Owen and accused of aggressive behavior toward him had charges dropped because the officer did not show up for court proceedings. Source, Katie Mettler and Steve Thompson. A family is suffering the loss of two of its loved ones after Bakersfield police shot and killed a man whose mother's death they were at the family home investigating. While police found no suspicious circumstances in the death of the mother, apparently the son had an outstanding warrant. While this man is grieving his mother's death, the cops decided that this was a good time to deal with the warrant. According to the cops, when they approached him about this, here we go again, he allegedly brandished a weapon. Okay. Officers opened fire. The unidentified man was later pronounced dead after paramedics responded to the location. Source, Bakersfield now. A person shot by an Albuquerque police officer Saturday afternoon is dead. There were two people, a woman and a man. Police were able to get the woman into custody, but the man ran away and wait for it. Cops say he took out a gun. That's when officers began to chase him and eventually fired, shooting and killing the man. All right, y'all. I think this has been enough for today. The source for that story is Monica Legronio of KOB. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of November 27, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland musician, singer, and songwriter who's been a force in the Bay Area hip-hop and soul scene since the early 1990s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com, and her website and socials are linked from our site at kpfa.org. Shout out to my producer, Jesse Strauss, for helping me curate the content for this segment. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask and the Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. 
our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.